So this morning we are actually returning to our series in the book of Ephesians. We took a little break to go through 1 Corinthians 15. And so now we will be back in our series, Christ and the Church. We actually come to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 21. But since we haven't been in this book for a while, I'm actually going to start reading at verse 1 and read all the way down to 20, just to give us the context of where we are. This is Ephesians chapter 5. I'll begin reading in verse 1. Hear now the eternal living word of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. And I mentioned this a few times before, but I was a college soccer coach for many years, and I spent some time scouting for professional teams. And in doing this, I became familiar with the culture and the expectations of professional athletes. Being a professional athlete isn't all the glitz and glamour that it can seem. There are certain things that they have to do all the time that most people don't. And there are certain things that they can't do or they have to refrain from that most people can do. They have to stay focused and committed to their sport as professional athletes. They have to eat a certain way. And for the elite level of athlete, during their season, they have all their meals planned down to the exact amount of carbs and protein and fat. They're definitely 
not allowed to eat junk food or comfort food whenever they want. They train or play usually six times a week, sometimes very early in the morning. And they have to push the limits of their body constantly to the point that if they're not training or competing, they're recovering from training or repeating. And so because of the timing and nutrition and fitness requirements of their job, they have to forego many social outings, refraining from drinking alcohol, eating cake and cookie and ice cream. They have to travel much of the year, missing birthday parties and holidays and so on. There's a lifestyle that comes with being a professional soccer player or a professional athlete of any kind. And it's a different lifestyle than everyone that's around them. Through our book, our study of the book of Ephesians, the Christ and the church, we've been looking at what it means to be in Christ, what it means to be spiritually united to Christ as individuals and collectively as a church. And throughout the first three chapters of, the, of his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul lays out all the spiritual blessings and realities that come from being united to Christ. Then in the second half of the letter, in chapters 4 to 6, Paul lays out how to live out that calling. What does it mean to be in Christ? And what does this demand of us as his church? In our passage this morning, Paul's continuing to explain the lifestyle that comes from being united to Christ by faith. And in verses 1 to 7 of chapter 5, which was our last sermon, Paul explained or told us to live with the sacrificial love of Christ. He said to imitate God as his children, avoiding sexual immorality and greedy behaviors, even crude language, but instead be thankful to God, living a life that is conformed to the will of God. And now, in this passage this morning, in verses 8 to 21, Paul gives us three ways to live in the light of the Lord. That we should first do what pleases the Lord. Second, we should avoid doing what displeases the Lord. And third, give thanks to the Lord. So today's passage begins in verse 8. Paul says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Paul's following up his command here to not become partners with the sons of disobedience. He tells us not to partake in the lifestyle of those in the world. And he's commanding them and all of us not to live according to the lifestyles of those who are without God. Those who ignore God and his commands. Then he says, for one time you were darkness. Meaning you were once like them. Being in darkness. Meaning being without God. Not having the Holy Spirit to illuminate your heart illuminate the scriptures to you, living in rebellion against God. And he spoke of this same past darkness earlier in chapter 2 in Ephesians. He wrote, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so he's reminding them and us of this again, saying, you were once darkness. We all lived this way. We were all born in darkness, living for yourself, 
blindly living in sin, in darkness, not even knowing that you're following the course of this world, following Satan himself. Living in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desire of the body and the mind. By nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God. But God didn't leave you that way. God stepped in, for by grace you have been saved through faith. God, in his infinite grace, brought you to Christ. He adopted you into his family in Christ, and now you are light. Sinful, godless existence is darkness. It means living without the light of God in your life, not knowing that you don't have the light of Christ in your life. And now being in Christ means you have the light of Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. He brings you out of darkness. The light of God comes to you only through Jesus Christ. And this has an effect on your life. Paul says, starting at the end of verse 8, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. As someone who is no longer darkness, but is light, as someone who is united to Christ through faith, the light of the world, you should walk as children of light. And we see, once again, this common biblical metaphor of walking, which means how you are living your life, the behaviors that you are doing. If you are a child of light, that is, you're in Christ, then you should reflect that light. There is fruit of life that should be seen in your life, and that is found in all that is good and right and true. And the way you do this, Paul says, is to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And this is our first way to live in the light of the Lord. By doing what is pleasing to the Lord. So walking in the light, living in the light of the Lord, is not only about what you do, but also about who are you pleasing. It's about obedience to God for the sake of pleasing Him. Living as the light of God is about both your outward actions and your inward motivations your deeds, and your heart. Jesus often attacked the wrong motivations in the scribes and the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Your purpose in living out the Christian life should be to please God, seeking to live in a way that is pleasing to Him, not putting on a show of holiness for others to see where inwardly your heart is still full of sin. And our hearts are deceptive. It's easy to have a wrong motive even while we're being obedient. And that's what the scribes and Pharisees were doing. Outwardly, they appeared beautiful. Outwardly, they appeared righteous to others. But inwardly, in their hearts, their motives were wrong. Their motives were sinful. They weren't aiming to please God. They, they did their acts of obedience and righteousness to show off that they were better than others. They wanted all the other people around them to know how holy and righteous they were. 
And because they weren't seeking to please God, they lacked the love and the compassion for others that undergirds the law of God. There's a heart condition that summarizes the law. And Jesus taught this summary. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so the way to approach obedience to God is out of a love for Him, seeking to please Him. And this will manifest itself in a love for your neighbor. But Paul's talking about a specific issue here. If your heart is in the wrong place, he's saying about what is done in secret. And that's the thing about the scribes and Pharisees, is we don't know what they did in secret. We don't know what anyone does in secret. That's the point. It's not a public practice. It's kept secret. And so living in the light of the Lord is not only about what you do in front of others. That's part of it. Part of living your life that is pleasing to God will take place in front of others. Your actions in the church, in the service of the Lord, in evangelism, engaging in worship and in Bible studies. You're taking part in church events, what you do in the workplace, what you do with your neighbors, and so on. But that's not the whole of it. It also matters what you do in secret. The great minister in the Scottish Church of Scotland in the 1800s, Robert Murray McShane, once wrote, What a man is on his knees before God, that he is and nothing more. You should seek to live a life pleasing to God in your whole life, not only publicly, but also in secret. So who are you when no one is watching? That's who you really are, because even when no one else sees you, God sees you. So live in the light of the Lord by living out the fruit of light that is found in all that is good and right and true, aiming to do what pleases the Lord in your public and your private life. But there's another side to the coin of living in the light. You're to focus on doing what pleases the Lord, but also there are behaviors and attitudes of the heart you should avoid. Paul says, starting in verse 11, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Living in the light of God means your actions will bear certain fruit. You will live obediently to the commands of God with a right attitude of heart because you want to please the Lord. And the second way to live in the light of the Lord is to avoid doing what displeases the Lord. If you need to do what pleases the Lord, you also need to not do the things that displease Him. You need to avoid sinning. Paul here is speaking of sexual sins and greedy behaviors. He says, take no part in unfruitful works. Because living in darkness, living with a sinful lifestyle, bears no fruit. It's unfruitful. Nothing good comes from it. You won't be pleasing God. Then Paul says something interesting. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And he goes on to explain, for it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. And so he's saying by living in the light that you expose works of darkness. 
It's by doing what is right that you expose what is wrong. There's an author named Marva Dawn who gave this great illustration of how the pursuit of what is right can expose what is wrong. She wrote that the playwright president of the Czech Republic, Václav Havel, once was asked why the Velvet Revolution against the communists in the former Czechoslovakia was successfully nonviolent. And Havel answered something like this. We had our parallel society. And in that parallel society, we wrote out plays and sang our songs and read our poems until we knew the truth so that we could go out to the streets of Prague and say, we don't believe your lies anymore. And communism had to fall. By refusing to buy into the lies of communism, but instead choosing to live a life full of the truth, the Velvet Revolution was successful against communism. It exposed the lies of communism by living out the truth. And the Christian path is the same. What Paul's telling us here is the same. You're to commit yourself by refusing to take part in the darkness of society. Instead, live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And by doing so, you expose the wickedness of their behaviors. The evil of lying and stealing is exposed when confronted with honest people of integrity. The evil of sexual immorality and pornography is exposed if confronted with people of sexual purity. By living the light of Christ out in your life and refusing to partake in the evil of this world, evil can be exposed. Paul says in verse 14, Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now this quote is is a bit confusing because it's not a direct quote from any specific Old Testament passage. Some believe it's an allusion to Isaiah 60 verse 1 or, or Isaiah 26 verse 19 or maybe some combination of the two. But most likely, and most commentators believe this, that it's from a Christian liturgy in the first century that would be using Old Testament scripture. But either way, the quote is clearly a description of the conversion of an unbeliever. Paul's using it to explain why everything is illuminated in the light. Frank Thielman actually explains Paul's logic here very well. He said, the lines from a well-known liturgy tell us that unbelievers should awake to the truth of the gospel and rise from their former lives of sin. And if they do this, Christ will shine his powerful light on them. The most powerful way to expose someone's sin to them is through their conversion. By Christ shining his light in the heart of an unbeliever, they will see their sins for what they are. And God often uses Christians living in the light to bring unbelievers to faith. Christians loving them with warmth and goodness often will convert the unbeliever when they hear the gospel. And every unbeliever that is illuminated by the gospel is transformed into light. Living in the light of the Lord can expose the sinfulness of someone living in darkness and can lead to their conversion. And this leads to the ultimate exposure Of the light of Christ. By living in the light of the Lord. And not partaking in the sinfulness. The sinful living around you. You can be an agent of God's transformation. By proclaiming and living the light of the gospel. In your life. You can expose sinful behaviors for what they are. And when the gospel awakens someone. From the darkness they're in. 
Christ has shined his light on them. And they will become a light of the Lord. But Paul continues his advice here. In verse 15, starting in verse 15, he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There were some that I've mentioned before in the Ephesian church who who were falsely teaching that it didn't matter how you lived your life. You could be as sinful as you possibly wanted. But Paul's now instructing them otherwise. He's telling them that how they're living their lives matters. That they're not to partake in the wickedness of the sons of disobedience. They're not to live their lives in the sinfulness of the world around them. Rather, they are to carefully consider how they're living their lives. Ignoring the false teachers that are telling them otherwise. Living as someone who is wise. That's living with God's wisdom. Wisdom is the skill of of living in a way that pleases the Lord. And so those that are living sexual immorality and, and greedy lifestyles are living as unwise people. They're rejecting the wisdom of God. They're living lives that displease the Lord. And Paul's exhorting the Ephesians and every Christian, you and I, to carefully consider who you're going to follow. You have to choose. You can't have it both ways. You're either following the world, living in sin, disregarding the wisdom of God, disregarding what is pleasing to the Lord, or you can serve the Lord. You can live in the light. You can choose wise living. Living with the fruit of life, light in your life. Living with all that is good and right and true. But you can't have both. So consider how you live your life. Not only in public, but in private. How are you living when no one is watching? What are the inner motivations of your heart? Because God looks upon your heart and your motivations. So Paul says, make the best use of your time, or also translated, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. The present course of this world is aligned with Satan. He's already stated this. That following the course of the world is to follow the prince of the power of the air. Or to follow Satan. So the best use of your time is to live in ways that are pleasing to the Lord. And it's in your moment by moment decisions. It's your daily moments of time that you do this. It's not simply in big decisions. But small moments of choosing good. Rejecting evil repeatedly. Small moments of choosing to please the Lord rather than please yourself consistently over time. And in order to do this, Paul says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In order to make the best use of your time, in order to live wisely, in order to please the Lord with your life, you must understand the will of the Lord and act on it. And since the influence of Satan and sin and darkness is all around us, it's everywhere in this world. It's critical to know the Lord's will and to make wise decisions about your day-to-day life. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. And this applies to every area of our life. But Paul gives a specific example here in verse 18. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. And so the connection with getting drunk and wise living is that getting drunk is not wise living. Uh, 
Drinking parties were common in the first century, and drinking is common today. It doesn't mean that you can't have a glass of wine with dinner and, and, and have a drink of alcohol here and there. It means what it says. Do not get drunk with wine. Avoid drinking too much because drunkenness can seriously damage your ability to make wise decisions, and it's not pleasing to the Lord altogether. Instead, be filled with the Spirit instead of drinking wine to fulfill you. Seek the Spirit of God. Seek Him in word and prayer. This would be living in the light of Christ, living in a way that pleases and glorifies God. And Paul says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Praising the Lord in songs and hymns is a way to be filled with the Spirit, worshiping God. Paul's speaking about the worship of God in song and in word and that this is living in the light. Then Paul says in verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so this is our third way to live in the light of the Lord, is by giving thanks to the Lord. I made the same point in our last sermon in Ephesians a while back, but it's important, so I wanted to make it again. If you have a heart, full of thankfulness and gratitude, you will naturally look to please the one you are grateful to. If you are giving thanks always and for everything to God, for all he has done, for all he continues to do, for all he will do, you will look to please him out of gratitude and love. If you are thanking God always and for everything, you will seek his will. You will live it out. You will love God with all your heart, mind and soul and you will love your neighbor as yourself and you will live with the light of Christ you'll reject sin and darkness you'll avoid drunkenness you will choose the wisdom of God in your life there's always a spirit of ingratitude to our sin when you're sinning you're not thanking God you're not thinking of God at all you're thinking of yourself but by thanking God for everything your focus is on him this will bring about praise. It will bring about the light in your life. Even in our darkest moments, God can bring about life if you remember the things you are thankful for. Even when you're dealing with death and tragedy, you can remember all that God has done in Christ. Notice Paul says, give thanks to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout this whole letter, Paul's been expounding blessing after blessing. God has given you in Jesus Christ, and all by his grace. You don't deserve any of it, but out of his love for you, out of his infinite grace and mercy, he's chosen you out of darkness. He's chosen you for adoption into his family, for salvation and forgiveness of sins, for a glorious inheritance that exceeds your wildest imagination. So no matter what your circumstances are, you can be thankful always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can live out the light of the Lord in your life by living a life that pleases God, by rejecting sin and darkness that displeases Him, and thanking Him always and for everything. The call upon your life as someone who has been graciously given the light of Christ is to live your life with that light every day. You're to live out the light of Christ, the one who lived with perfect light in this world. 
You're to reflect the light of Christ to the world around you in your decisions, in your actions, in your words. You can't simply just do whatever you want and expect it to be living out the light of Christ. And, and the call isn't to simply live according to rules and commands, which is an important part of our call. You're called to love with an extraordinary love, to love and serve God in word and in deed, carefully considering your actions, your words, and your thoughts so that you can glorify God with your whole life. So you can love your neighbor as yourself, sacrificially loving them as Christ sacrificed himself for you. Because your whole life has been purchased by the blood of Christ. And for that, you can be eternally grateful. Thanking God, not only in your words and in your prayers, but with your whole heart. Living a life of gratitude. Living a life in the light of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, to praise you and to worship you. We come to you to be filled with the Spirit that we may be grateful for all that you have given us. That through your Spirit, we can go about our lives doing what pleases you. We can seek your will for us and we can live that will out. Loving you with all our heart, our mind, and our soul and Loving our neighbor as ourself. Lord, we are grateful that you have chosen us. You have called us to yourself and you have given us the light of Christ so that we may no longer be darkness. And may we continue each day, moment by moment, in our public and private lives to live out the light of Christ in our lives. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen.